0: You to turn to Acts chapter 5. We're going to read the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is sharp and is powerful. Uh, it is able to pierce, the Bible says, to the dividing of uh, bone and marrow, soul and spirit. And so. The Word of the Lord is able to encounter us and to move upon us. And what I I hope is that and what I'm praying is for, that as the Word of God is read to us, as we affirm it with our yes and amen, and as we lift up our voices to the Lord Jesus Christ, that the Lord will begin to move people's hearts to receive the Word and the birth of victories that we are longing for, that what we, uh, we labor for here in our song and in our prayers and in our going before the Lord that we'll begin to see victories in uh, your life as you are seeking the Lord. So stand with me. Let's uh, read together Acts chapter 5 verses 12 through 16. Uh, we will sing and then we'll come to the message of what I believe the Lord would speak to us this morning. The word of the Lord says in Acts chapter 5, verse 12, at the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. But none of the rest dared to associate with them, however. The people held them in high esteem. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly being added to their number to such an extent that they even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any one of them. Also, the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all being healed. Heavenly Father, we pray in this moment, Lord, that as we see in your word the power of God manifested among your people, Lord, I know that This morning, there are those who are coming with burdens on their heart, with things they need to lay at your feet, Lord. And we pray, God, that as in Acts chapter 5, verses 12 and 13 and 14 and 15 and 16, we see your people experiencing victory. We see your people experiencing victory over sin, victory over sickness, victory over death doubt oh lord we pray god in this moment that you would move among your people here in this sanctuary this dedicated space oh god that you would be exalted and that they would see the victory work out in their life by the power of the holy spirit lord we pray that it would be so to your glory now receive our praise this morning
1: This battle belongs to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, you take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good, for your glory. And you turn it for good. You take, you take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it. It's for Your glory, Lord. It's for Your glory, Lord. You know sometimes the things we go through doesn't feel good. The trials and the tribulations that we go through, the persecution, the frustration, it doesn't feel good. But we know we're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ, who's provided all things, who knows all things. These situations that you go through are for His glory. The Bible says that Pharaoh was created for His glory. Pharaoh did all the things wrong. God knew there was no turning in Pharaoh's heart, so he hardened his heart for his glory. God provided a way, and he used Pharaoh's ignorance and sin to do it. The enemy thought he was winning during that time, but he was so wrong. He kept opening doors and providing ways. It seems like there's times when an enemy comes against you time and time again. Why am I sick? Why haven't you healed me, God? In his timing, it'll be for his glory. We don't have to worry about the financial troubles. We don't have to worry about the state of the union that we're in. We don't have to worry about our kids' schooling and education. We don't have to worry about our vehicle not running. God's going to provide at the right time for His glory. If everything was perfect and easy, He wouldn't need or deserve any glory because our hearts wouldn't even recognize Him through those situations because everything is fine. When you go through trials... It's for God's glory. Begin to praise Him. Begin to worship Him through the dark times and the hard times. Crying out for deliverance. Crying out for needs. He is there right beside you walking through it. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it. Oh, he's turning it around. You take what the enemy meant. Oh, hallelujah. Turn it for good. You turn it. Come on, let him turn it around this morning. Turn us up, God. You take what the enemy meant. Oh, you're worthy. Father, you're worthy. Father, you're worthy. We worship you. You take what the enemy meant. You take what the enemy meant. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take. Hallelujah Hallelujah And I'm gonna see a victory And I'm gonna see a victory For the battle we lost And I'm gonna see a victory And I'm gonna see a victory For the battle we lost.
0: those of you here this morning that the Lord sees you where you are. The Lord sees your circumstance. He knows the burden that you've been bearing. As he sees the burden that you have been bearing, he's asking you to trust it to him. As you trust it to him, deliverance will come deliverance is coming deliverance is coming deliverance is coming hear me this morning deliverance is coming some of you have struggled for years some of you have struggled to the point that you've just grown accustomed to the battle in the mind the battle in the heart the battle with the flesh Deliverance is coming. I want you to be prepared at the end of the message this morning to pray. I want you to be prepared to pray because deliverance is coming. Deliverance is coming. You're at a place where people have been praying. You're at a pray place where people have been longing after the Lord Jesus Christ. And we believe that this is not unique to Riverstone Church, but there are many churches that God is calling to prayer. And as God is calling churches to prayer, God is calling people to war in the heavenly realm. We'll talk about that more. And as people war in the heavenly realm, there is manifestation in the natural realm. We're going to see God's glory manifest. And some of you have been struggling. You've been longing. You've been seeking. You've been praying. And I believe today is the day of deliverance. I believe today is the day of deliverance. And so, Lord, once again, as we look to your word today, we thank you for the opportunity that we have, Lord, to live in a world where the Spirit breaks in upon your people. That's what we're experiencing this morning. That's why at times we're not quite sure what to do because we realize that when your spirit breaks in upon us, we just want to tarry before you. We want to enjoy your presence. We want to see what was happening in the New Testament. Lives changed and people transformed for your glory. And so God, today we pray, O oh Lord, that the power of God would move upon your people. Lord, that as the power of the preached word touches our ears, that the Holy Spirit would use it to manifest himself, that people's lives would be changed, and that Jesus would get all the glory. So, Lord, we thank you for these moments today. Lord, we trust you today, and we exalt you in this sanctuary we praise you we love you we thank you in jesus name we ask these things amen and amen you may be seated this morning as you continue to worship the Lord. Preaching is not just simply uh, a a passive activity where you simply sit and just soak it in uh, what I am hoping that you are doing during the uh, opportunity that we have to be under anyone who is preaching the word that you are praying for what is coming forth from the pulpit, that what is from the pulpit is out of the word of God. The true word of God is not man's ideas or man's thoughts, but it is the word of God being preached to us because what we believe is that through the Foolishness of preaching, God has commanded His word uh, to go forth. So my hope is that as you are there, you are praying uh, for the preached word to go forth and to be manifest in the power of the Holy Spirit. But you are also praying for others who are in the sanctuary, others who are online, who are hearing the message of the cross that their lives would be transformed as well. And so this is part of our activity as we are simply listening, but we're also praying and engaging in a spirit-filled way, uh, seeking to seeking for the Lord uh, to break in uh, upon us. And so I am grateful for those of you all who uh, have been leading worship and leading us before the throne of grace. We're grateful for what God is doing at Riverstone, but we're grateful for what we see the Lord doing all over the world. God is doing great things, and we rejoice, we rejoice in them. For those of you who are just joining us, we have been working through the book of Acts uh, from chapter one, verse one, uh, little by little, we've been moving through uh, the book of Acts and seeing uh, the early church in action, uh, seeing what is happening within the early church because uh, we want to be a church that is like the early church. What is recorded here in Scripture, a church where the power of the Holy Spirit is moving among God's people and God's people are being transformed uh, by His grace. That is what uh, Riverstone Church is about. That is our desire from our inception until. This time is to reach people with the gospel message and to see a New Testament church in the city of Charlottesville. Again, there are other good churches in our community, but we want to be one of those uh, as well that models after uh, the New Testament. Towards that end, we have been praying for our community. We've been praying uh, for uh, Charlottesville. And part of that prayer has been, Lord, uh, guide us in this time of pandemic and reaching as many people as possible. And that's one of the reasons that we said we're going to take three weeks And uh, we are going to uh, do two services so that we can have the appropriate distance, but we can also reach into our community and see the people that would come to be a part of what uh, you are doing. And prayerfully and talking with people and seeking to understand what the Lord may be speaking uh, to us, we're going to extend uh, two services, two more Sundays uh, through the end of October, so through the end of october we 'll have services at nine and eleven and what i 'd like you to do is pray with us over this week and next week if that is god 's plan for us or if we go back uh, to to one service we 're seeking the Lord to understand. What is the mind of the Lord? And from the beginning, uh, we, we have said there's no problem, there's no setback uh, to, go, to go back to two services because our goal is to reach and uh, to go back to one service because our goal is to reach as many people as possible and to see what the Lord will do. And so we want to pray and asking you to pray of what the Lord would speak to us about this. So Thank you for doing that. In Acts chapter 5, verse uh, 12, the church is active, the church is growing, the church is continuing in signs and in wonders, and people are being uh, ministered to, people are being changed and transformed by uh, the gospel message. And as we look at Acts chapter 5 and verse 12, our text uh, this morning, there are several things that, if I were to, uh, if I were to pull out three things that I think are important for us to take away, uh, what I see in this particular passage is that we have a church, a people who uh, sees answered prayer. We see a church where there is necessary division, and finally, we see a church where there is supernatural multiplication. We see a church with answered prayer with necessary division, and with supernatural multiplication. Verse 12 says, At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people. And you have to go back a few verses of Scripture to chapter 4 and verse 30 to uh, see where this began this began when the power of the Holy Spirit fell upon God's people and in response the uh, apostles and other disciples they prayed and part of that prayer in Acts 4 and 30 was to the Lord saying, Lord while you extend your hand, to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus so they they prayed for something to happen in Acts chapter four and thirty and the manifestation we see of that is happening in Acts chapter 5 and verse 12. In Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, wants us to see that the Holy Spirit is active and at work in God's people for the purpose of exalting Jesus Christ as savior. This is why he takes particular care to show us what the apostles and disciples prayed and how that prayer was then Answered. Many have said that the book of Acts could be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit because it shows the work of the Spirit in the early church. And we see in the early church a people who lived in the natural realm. They existed in the natural realm like you and I exist. We exist in the place where we touch and Feel things, but their primary labor in the early church was in the spiritual realm or the supernatural realm. Their primary participation in prayer and in fasting, and meditating on God's Word, and even in breaking bread with one another, the purpose of that was to engage or participate in the supernatural world. There were people who, again, lived like you and I in a natural realm, but whose primary labor was in the spiritual world. This is why the apostles, as we read later on in the book of Acts, needed to be about the spiritual act Activity of prayer and preaching and the ministry of the Word. These are spiritual activities, and the apostles saw their primary opportunity, their primary ministry in the spiritual building up in the church. They had to participate in the spiritual that there would be a manifestation then in the natural. Romans Chapters 6, 7, and 8 point us to an understanding that prior to you or me submitting our life to the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are primarily driven by the desires of the flesh. In fact, the Bible pictures it like this. You were dead in your trespasses and in your sin. Well, prior to coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, your physical man wasn't dead, It was the spirit man that was dead. When we look back in the book of Genesis, what we see with Adam and Eve, when they took of the forbidden fruit, they had one command to obey. And when they took of the forbidden fruit and they fell from uh, doing that one command, that their spirit man was disfellowshipped. And the day that you eat of it, you will surely what? Die but when you read through the scripture, they don't immediately die, do they? The physical man still continues to exist, but it's the spirit man that is immediately disfellowshipped from God. When God walks in the garden in the cool of the day, Adam is hiding from him because of what took place in the spirit realm, not the physical eating of the forbidden fruit, but the the uh, the sinfulness of not following the command of the Lord. They were disfellowshipped immediately from God. So our spirit man, when we come to Christ, is brought to life through the Holy Spirit. So Genesis tells us when Adam and Eve sinned, Their spirit man was disfellowshipped from God. Their spirit man died in essence. The physical man continued to live. When you were born in your trespasses and in your sin, your body, your physical man still shows the penalty of sin. We try to fix it up. We try to look pretty. We try to kind of clean it up, uh, sometimes color it up. Uh, We try to do all of these things, but... Take a picture of yourself, those who are old enough, from 20 years ago and put it to a picture of you today. Is there any difference? That difference is because of the effects of sin that everyone in the world is impacted by. There is none righteous, no, not one. Everyone falls under that penalty. But when you find the Lord Jesus Christ and when you come to him and you believe on him to save you and you believe that he has justified, uh, that he has justified you, that your sins have been atoned for, that you are sanctified before him, when you come into saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, your spirit man is then revived within you, even though the natural man continues to decay. The spirit man is revived, and the natural man continues to decay. And what we hope for as believers, what we long for, is that day when our spirit man is united with a new and glorified body. And we see a principle in this, that what happens in the spiritual realm often causes an effect in the natural realm that many times is delayed. It doesn't always happen in the Pentecostal instantaneous way. Sometimes it does, but not all the time. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 31, Jesus tells Peter that Satan is going to sift him like wheat. But Jesus says, Peter, I have prayed for you so that your faith would not fail. In essence, Peter... There is something that's going to happen, and Satan is going to sift you, but I have already made war in the heavenlies for you, that when you come through that process on the other side, your faith will not fail. There is something going to happen in the natural realm, Peter, but I have already defeated it in the supernatural realm, and I'm telling you ahead of time so that when you get through it, your faith... Will not fail. Supernatural victories take place prior to natural victories. The Bible says that Christ was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. The spiritual decree before the foundation of the world of Christ's atoning death had already been set forth before there was any sin that had happened. Christ was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world, even though the manifestation of that did not happen until about 2,000 years ago. In Daniel chapter 10, the Bible says that Daniel humbled himself and he sought the Lord for three weeks through prayer and through fasting. He humbled himself. He sought the Lord. He battled with spiritual weapons. And the Bible says that his answer was dispatched at the beginning of his prayer, but it was not yet manifested for 21 days. What happened in the spiritual realm Preceded what was going on in the natural realm. While God does answer our prayers and he fights on our behalf, we are also required to take up the spiritual weapons. When you see things taking place in the natural realm, when we see a chaotic world like what we exist in today, when we see what is going on in the natural realm, this is a call for God's people to take up the weapons of faith and to fight the spiritual battle. You and I do not have to get and participate in the natural realm, and the fighting and in the bickering and all those things that are going on, what you and I are called to do is to take up the spiritual weapons of faith to bow our knee before the Lord and to fight a spiritual battle. If we think that it's only happening in the natural realm and there's nothing spiritual about what is going on in our world today, we are deluding ourselves. To get to the answered prayers that We desire, we must set our affections on Christ and take up the spiritual weapons of faith. And what I believe oftentimes is that we often quit on the cusp of victory. We stop warring in the heavenlies. God doesn't hear. God's not going to answer. God's not going to change my circumstances. It is impossible. Possible for God to do anything in my situation. There is no natural way that anything could happen. And so I'm going to quit praying about it. I'm going to quit praying fasting about it. I'm going to quit meditating on the promises of God because I'm tired of having to wait. And I think oftentimes that is a tactic of the enemy to call you away and to look at the natural circumstances instead of picking up the spiritual weapons of faith and continuing to fight until victory comes. It is beautiful and wonderful for us to sing a song that we are going to see a victory. I believe that the Spirit of the Lord has move through that uh, moment of worship this morning, but it is something else where you and I to clearly take up the spiritual weapons to long after Jesus and to do the hard work of seeking him. What they have done is incited us in worship this morning. What their role was, was to incite you and I to battle. This is their their responsibility to incite you and I to battle and to make war in the heavenly realms that we would begin to see victories in the natural realm. The early church understood this. They understood that it was a necessity for them to pray, to seek God, and to war in the heavenly realms. Jesus said in John 15 and 17, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We love the last part of that scripture, ask whatever you wish. We like asking whatever we wish, but we don't often like what comes in the beginning. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. We have a responsibility to abide in Christ, to find our rest in Christ, to find our joy in Christ. What takes your attention? Where are your affections set this morning? Do you find yourself anxious looking at the world around you? Do you find yourself concerned about your financial circumstances? Do you find yourself drawn away by issues in your family and things going on in your life? Find yourself abiding in Christ. Let his words abide in you that in due season you will be allowed to reap in the natural. You will see the harvest in the natural realm. The prayer of the apostles in Acts 4 was that Jesus' name would be exalted through the breaking in of the supernatural into the natural realm. That extraordinary things would happen that would be attributed to Jesus that deliverances would happen and people would see the deliverance and say, Jesus has done this. That the lame man would be healed and people would see it and say, Jesus has done this. That someone would be delivered from demonic oppression and people would see it and say, Jesus has done this. Their desire, their prayer, their longing in Acts chapter 4 was that Jesus' name would be exalted through supernatural occurrences breaking in into the natural world. And we see that, signs and wonders and the church being in one accord. And this only happens through laboring in spiritual things. You see, we can have a wonderful facility, great music, great preaching and we look at the Jews in the 1st century and what we see is they had a beautiful temple there was beautiful worship there was a great understanding of the scriptures and Jesus said of them that you were only an ornate casket full of dry bones They had the beauty of the temple they had the beauty of the priestly worship They had scholars in the Word, and Jesus looks at them and says, you're a pretty casket that inside is just dry bones, because they had all of those things but failed in laboring in spiritual things, which requires us to humble ourselves before the Lord. Power and position mean nothing in God's economy because Jesus is head over all. Jesus is exalted over all. He's not concerned about other people's power and position. What he is concerned about is that he is exalted and that he is lifted up because as Jesus is exalted and as Jesus is lifted up, people come to him more people come to him. More people come to him. More people come to saving knowledge of him. This is what we see throughout the scriptures. I believe that in our day, in the modern day, in the natural realm, that God is stirring his church to participate in supernatural things such as prayer. I hear lots of preachers talking about it, that the church has to be called to prayer, that the church has to find itself in prayer. And what this means is that there is going to be a manifestation in the natural realm. If God is calling his spiritual people to prayer and to fast and to meditate, if he's taking the blinders off of our eyes and he's allowing us to see that what's going on in our world is a spiritual occurrence, And he's calling his people and say, Get on your knees and pray and exalt me and long after me. Then the joy that we have in this moment is knowing that soon there will be a natural manifestation of what is taking place in the spiritual realm. What you and I must do then is humble ourselves before the Lord. We cry out for revival. We want to see the days of old. People talk to me all the time about the way it used to be. I don't want it the way it used to be. I want the thing that God wants to do now. But there's some heavy lifting that has to take place. And it has happened at every major revival in church history. What did the people do? They got tired of their sin. They got tired of reading in the Scripture and seeing the power of God, but everything was just dusty and dry. And as they got tired of it, they started longing for something more than what they had. They started longing for something greater than what they were experiencing. They didn't know what it looked like. They may not have got all the words right. They may not have got all the theological influences just correct, but what they decided to do was to get down on their knees and pray and say, God, do something. When I look at our city in Charlottesville, I say, God, do something. Do something to live in a beautiful area such as we live in, to be surrounded by intellect and understanding such as we have in this community, but then also to be known in spiritual things as people who are lethargic, who aren't interested generally. What I say is Charlottesville and our community is ripe for a revival of the Lord. It's ripe for people to see some miraculous things happen. It's ripe for some churches to be unified. It's ripe for signs and wonders to take place that Jesus' name would be exalted. God is stirring us as believers to prayer. Two examples out of Scripture I'll share, and we'll move on to the next point. Simeon, the Bible says, full of the Holy Spirit. He was in the temple when Jesus was eight days old, presented uh, as the the ritual portion of uh, his birth. He was full of the Spirit, Simeon was, and the Scripture says that he was actively looking for the Messiah, that God revealed to him in the Spirit what would happen in the natural realm, that Simeon would not die, Until he actually physically laid eyes on Jesus or on the Messiah. God affirmed to Simeon in the spiritual world what was going to happen in the natural world. And as Simeon longed for that and longed for that day and believed God warring in the spiritual world, God manifested that in the natural realm. He laid his Physical eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Later in that same passage, Anna, the prophetess who was in the temple, who was a widow, she saw as her primary labor to fight night and day in the temple with her spiritual weapons of prayer and fasting. She labored in the spiritual realm. And she reaped in the natural realm. I think of Anna. I think of people today. I, one of the ways when I began ministry in Bible college, one of the things that I was, had the opportunity to do and what I would say is one of the most influential uh, times of ministry that I still think about, that I still carry with me, was ministry in the nursing home we don't often consider that exciting. Certainly, they're not able to have wonderful moves of the Spirit like we're able to have in this kind of environment where people are able to stand and pray and shout and lift their voices to the Lord. But I had the opportunity at about uh, eight o'clock on a Sunday morning to go up to a nursing home on the mountain and to go inside with a couple of other brethren to go into rooms, help people get into a wheelchair, wheel them out into uh, the cafeteria, and we in our limited ability would sing old hymns of the faith to them. And as we sang old hymns of the faith, they would be people who maybe didn't speak the whole rest of the week, people who were diagnosed with dementia or other things. And as we began to sing about the Lord, their lips often would begin to move. They would begin to pray. They would begin to sing. They would begin to exalt Jesus somehow in their mind by the remembrance of what is going on. What you can do, what you can do in this time is you can labor in the spiritual realm, you can fight with the weapons that the Lord has given to you. You can pray, you can sing, you can fast, you can exalt him. And as you make war in the spiritual realm, you will we- reap in the natural realm. What the disciples prayed for in Acts 4 and 30 was being answered, and we see that in Acts 5 and and 12. But we have to be aware as we think about answered prayer, and so many of us long for answered prayer, that sometimes in answer to prayer, there occurs a necessary division. Sometimes in answer to prayer, there occurs a necessary division. Acts chapter 5 and verse 13 says, Says, but none of the rest dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem. To give you some context of this particular Verse, they were together in a place called Solomon's Portico. Solomon's Portico was an area that had two sets of columns that sort of ran along with a wooden roof over the top of that, and that is where people would gather, oftentimes going to the temple or coming from the temple. And as they gathered at Solomon's portico, the believers were there associating uh, with each other, uh, sharing the gospel with other people who had passed by. It was a natural location to share the message of the cross with people who were going to the temple. Remember that at this point, this is still primarily a Jewish sect. Christianity is not seen out on its own as we see it today. It's primarily seen at this point in the book of Acts as just an offshoot or a portion of Judaism. So what these believers here, primarily Jewish believers, are trying to do is to get other Jewish believers to say, hey, we've been praying all this time for Messiah, and this is him. Jesus is him. So this was a natural place for them to gather. And although there were signs and wonders taking place, although the believers were in one accord, there were many who would still not associate with them. When God was doing something over here, there was people who just sort of backed off and were happy to see it, but from a distance. And I think that happens because of two things, two occurrences. One which was in the church and prior to this story was the message of Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira, that story became well known among those who believed and those in the temple that there were Ananias and Sapphira who lied to the Lord. And as they brought this offering that they were lying about to the Lord, they were struck dead in the midst of the people. And then there's another occurrence outside of the church later on in chapter 5 is that there's continued persecution of the believers in Jesus by the religious leaders. And so you have this kind of awe-inspiring sort of death that happened and everyone is sort of like, whoa, what just happened here? And then you have the persecution that is going on by the religious leaders. And it called some that although they saw the signs and wonders, although they saw the church in one accord, that they were not willing to associate with that group. And what I would say to you is that there are times when God separates you from what is familiar so that you can draw close to him, There are times when God pulls you out in order to separate you from what is familiar to you in order for you to trust him for greater things. Familiarity can often lead to a yield or, or yield a lack of trust in Christ because you don't necessarily have to believe God for what happens in your life every single day and never changes. Do we truly, truly trust God for the food on our table? Or do you just realize, I make a paycheck, I can buy, go to the grocery store, and I'm gonna have food tonight. Do we trust God for our daily bread? Now, what if he throws you in an unfamiliar circumstance where tonight you don't know where your meal's coming from? What would you do? You would do what some of our brothers and sisters on the mission field do. They pray and wait. Pray and wait. War in the heavenlies, wait for the manifestation in the natural. Sometimes our familiarity with our circumstance and the situation which we live in causes us to fail to trust Christ at a level that God desires. And so God brings within our life necessary division to pull us to a place where we trust him more and more and more. Look at the disciples. Peter, he went from being a fisherman who probably never traveled more than just a few miles from where he was born, to one who followed the Lord all over Israel, to one who led the church, to one who preached the gospel, who the Lord used to open the doors to the Gentile world, who wrote epistles that inform the doctrines that we preach today. It would have been familiar for him to remain on a boat and fish. And yet Jesus encounters Peter and says, I'm going to make you a different kind of fisherman, and I'm going to pull you through circumstances in your life that are going to require of you to trust me more. The Apostle Paul went from the esteem of the religious hierarchy. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a religious leader. He was the one persecuting Christians. He went from that to blindness on the Damascus Road, to being tutored in the ways of the Lord, to traveling across the known world at least three times, to being imprisoned, and ultimately to sharing the gospel in the household of Caesar. It would have been familiar for him to remain in the temple area and to continue to teach and continue to be a good Pharisee. But what did the Lord say? I'm going to show him how much he must suffer. I'm going to show him how much he must trust me in his circumstances. If God is using you to do something for him, be prepared to be separated from what is familiar to you. When God is stirring in your heart that he wants you to do bold things for him, be expected to be picked up and moved out of your familiar area. Expect it. Don't mourn it. Don't mourn it. The children of Israel, God did all these miraculous things. Think of what was going on when they were in Egypt in the supernatural realm. Think of what was happening in Egypt in the supernatural world to such an extent that the Egyptians pushed them out of Egypt and give them things in order to supply them with everything they need during their wilderness wandering. And God is going to set them up as their own nation. And within days, what are they doing? We wish we were back in Egypt. We wish that we were still in the familiar territory because at least there we had something to eat. At least there we had things that we could drink and there were things that we could do. Even though we were slaves, at least there we knew where our next meal was going to come from. Wow. How often do we do that? How often do we think about our own life and we long for what could have been what was and we mourn over what was when we're standing here in the midst of what God has done, looking at a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night where God is audibly shaking the mountains and we wanna be back in Egypt? Don't mourn God taking from you. Don't mourn God's mathematics to divide what situation you find yourself in. Because it's necessary division, and it's for this purpose what we see in the Scriptures. See, God does math better than we do math. And when there is necessary division, I believe that God resupplies to us supernatural multiplication. There is necessary division in our life, removing us at times from what is familiar in order that God may multiply to us what he desires for us to receive and what he desires for us to live in. While there were those who did not associate with the believers a division, a taking away, there were others, multitudes of men and women, the Scripture says, that were constantly being added to their number. The sick were constantly being healed. People from outside Jerusalem were constantly coming in, bringing sick people and tormenting people, uh, uh, tormented people to be healed, and God was healing them all through the apostles. Jesus puts it this way in Mark chapter 10 verses 29 and 30. It says, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms along with persecution and in the age to come eternal life. See, God may take away, God may Move us from the familiar, but then God is going to bless back a hundredfold in this life and give in the age to come. there is no one in the kingdom who has been who has experienced division giving up something for the kingdom that will not receive it back a hundred times as much now and also then inherit eternal life and I want to point out the significant phrase with Persecutions. In this life, the enemy will try to persecute you when God is doing something in your midst to bring a multiplication in your life. The enemy wants you to stop believing that God is at work. The enemy wants you to stop believing that the Holy Spirit is working on your behalf, and so he begins to persecute you. He begins to try to draw your attention away. He begins to try to cause you to let go of your spiritual weapons, to give up before it is time. But the Lord speaks to us, and the Lord says to us that even though you may give up some things, he's going to supply them back to you in a manifold way. I recall a a woman who was sharing one time at a church that I attended a testimony, and what she talked about was that uh, she had cried out to the Lord uh, for children, her and her husband desired children, and for a long season of life, they could not have children. They were not privileged to be able to to uh, give birth to her own natural children and she cried out after the Lord, asking the Lord to allow her to have children, asking the Lord to minister to her, to help her, to touch her, and to give her natural-born children. And the Lord finally spoke to her and said, I have given you many children, because much of her ministry was in children's ministry. Much of her ministry was among orphans and those who did not have anyone else. And that's what God had called her to do, and God had called her to invest in. Yet, Yes, it was a little different than having the natural born child that she longed after, but God had given her for one that she longed after, hundred more that He had uh, hundreds more that He had given and blessed her with, in order that she could experience the glorious blessings of the Lord on her life. Too often we mourn what we lo- lose and don't appreciate what. God gives. God desires for you and I to step forward to battle with spiritual weapons. As we battle with spiritual weapons, our faith must grow to anticipate natural victories. As we anticipate natural victories, expect that God may separate you from the familiar. But as you expect that God may separate you from the familiar, understand that God is going to multiply back to you much more than what you have ever lost. Stand with me and we are going to pray and we're going to ask the Lord for his intervention. And I would just encourage you We won't have a formal benediction as the Lord leads, and as you're ready, you're free uh, to go. But what we are going to do is pray. If you need deliverance this morning, we're going to pray for that. If you are going through a season of life where you are uh, in a process of uh, seeing the Lord do this dividing work, we want to pray for you. That you would open your eyes to what is happening in your life, And that as God does what God is going to do, you would have the assurance in your life that he is going to bless you back a hundredfold in this life, although it may be with its own challenges, but in the life to come, you will inherit eternal life. So we're going to pray for these things. and We're going to ask the Lord as they lead us in music this afternoon, that God would move, move on your heart, move in my heart that he would be exalted and his name would be glorified. And so, Jesus, we commit this time to you. God, I bless these people who are here today. I pray your hand to be upon them. But, God, I know there are ones who are here with need this morning, those who are mourning what has been lost. And, God, I pray by your mighty hand, O Lord, that you would help them to lift up their eyes and see that there is such a great multiplication ahead of them, such a great opportunity ahead of them, that as we continue to dwell in, to fight with, to war with the spiritual weapons that you have entrusted to us, God, that we will see the manifestation of your glory in the natural realm, that Jesus would be exalted. We thank you. We love you. We praise you.